Anyway, let's talk about fucking Frankenhooker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Trapo. This is the podcast where we talk about Frankenhooker on purpose. We talked about it before. It just kind of comes into the conversation. We're going to talk about it again, too. Well, this time we're actually going to talk about the movie. We never actually talked about the movie itself before. We talked about my uh, experiences as a frustrated youth, unable to read Frankenhooker. I've watched it like 17, 17, 18, 300 times. So many times. You've watched it once. Which is progress. When I did watch it, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this. Or parts of it had me going, you know? Like the deja vu feeling like, wait a minute. The weird staircase in the apartment where he took the hookers. The stairs go straight up into nowhere and everything's painted the same color. And then there's like a weird little door with the old man giggling. And the pimp getting pissed off, grinding his fists together, pacing back and forth. Hey, Zorro, what's up? Just waiting for my bitches. This should be done in a few minutes. Oh, God! The little part when Zoro gets frustrated, slams his fist down that little counter, and, and the wood breaks. She's going on too long. That wasn't supposed to happen. That was real wood. Because he was so strong, and when he did it, he just snapped Yeah, it. he has definitely roided the fuck out. Or maybe he's just a big buff dude. He's just a big buff dude. That's Joe Gonzalez. He was also in Brain Damage. That's how he met mm. Frank Hedemata. Mm-hmm. The friendly naked man in the shower. You want to be in Frankenhooker? You can play Zoro the Pimp. Fuck yeah. Those are the only two roles poor Joe Gonzalez ever had. Brain Damage and Frankenhooker. Never worked oh, again. Really? Yeah, never worked again. Also, Patty Mullen, the titular Frankenhooker. But before that, she worked in Doom Asylum. That was her only other starring role. I like Doom Asylum. It's a bizarre movie. Humorous like Frankenhooker. The humor is in a similar vein. It's an early starring role for Kristen Davis from Sex in the City. I mean, it's deliberately funny. It's not like a slasher trying to be serious and then you look at it like, I don't know, that's fucking stupid. No, the, movie's, the movie knows it's stupid. It's called Doom Asylum. I like Doom Asylum. But yeah, Patty Mullen never worked in the business after Frankenhooker for whatever reason. I don't know why. Well, no, I'm not being uh, humorous about it. I mean, literally, she loved being in Frankenhooker. She calls Frank Henwater regularly. Can we make a Frankenhooker too? She wants to do it. She's not embarrassed by being in Frankenhooker. She loved it. She was a penthouse pet. That was her big thing. Frank Henwater was worried about casting her because, like, come on, she was in penthouse. She's not going to fit the character. Because his idea was he wanted Elizabeth to be like the girl next door, you know. But then she came in to do an audition and she blew him away. This works. Fuck it, yeah, you, you're Elizabeth, all right. It's one of those movies that a lot of the people, you're like, oh, I think I know that guy. You look him up, nope. He was in three things, and most of them were trauma movies and other weird shit. Trust me, you've never heard of them. <laughs> that you probably ain't seen. When the credits start rolling and I see Lloyd Kaufman's name right at the beginning, I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's a bit of a misnomer, really. It was picked up for distribution by Troma. Okay. Troma did not produce the movie. It was an independent production. I believe it was SGE because uh, Jim Glickenhaus was the primary producer. It was Shapiro. Shapiro Glickenhaus Entertainment. Jim Glickenhaus, friends with Frank Henenlotter. He'd been his financier for some of his earlier stuff. Originally, Henenlotter wanted to do something else. He showed people the script for this project he was working on and no one wanted to give money for it he ended up going to jim glickenhouse's office he pitched him that movie this movie idea glickenhouse said no no we're not doing that what else have you got henenlotter just made up frankenhooker on the spot he had nothing else and glickenhouse thought it was great he was like oh yeah okay that's really cool it's a little out there what, what's the title he's like uh he couldn't think of like oh franken horror sounds a little too harsh you can't market that franken hooker he's like oh there you go that's gold that's it right there man franken hooker all right i feel like with a different title this would have been classic campy 80s movie everyone would know in the vein of like reanimator that people are like oh that's fucking stupid and crazy and ridiculous and i like it and maybe i'm wrong on that I, there are people i found out that definitely feel that way about Frankenhooker, but I feel like that audience would be a lot bigger if it was called, you know, Bride of the Undead or some shit like that. Moms and dads wouldn't go, oh, you're not written that. Oh, no, 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 no. As you experienced. Yeah. When Frankenhooker was in production, Hen and Lauder actually changed the title temporarily. I believe Frankenstein 90. That would be the official title on the scripts, on all the call sheets and everything. That made things easier in terms of location shooting, finding props and finding actors and everything. I'll audition for Frankenstein 90. You can shoot here for Frankenstein 90. You can shoot on my street. You want to shoot here for what? what's the name of your movie? Frankenhooker. Oh, no, no. No, no, no yeah, thanks. Probably why the only 
recognizable place they got to shoot was like Times Square where no one could stop them. Yeah, they didn't have permits for that. They just stole that footage. That was something Ken Lauder had been doing for years anyway. Little yeah. gorilla footage. Nobody's going to fucking do nothing. Yeah, if we can save money wherever we can, because you know how much money it's going to cost to get a permit to film? No, nah, no, nah, fuck that. Set up the camera. Let's go, go, go. That footage early on where you see Jeffrey's cruising down the street searching for prostitutes. Mm-hmm. All that footage you see like shot from the car. You see the prostitutes leaning over cars and everything. That's real footage of prostitutes that Frank Henelotter just shot. Really? Yeah, those are just real prostitutes. Wherever you can save money. And plus, he was shooting in these neighborhoods, what they would call their, their studio, where they ended up building all the sets for the film, was actually a half-condemned building that they rented from the Port Authority. That's what we're talking about in terms of budget and resources. They were in the neighborhood where Frank Henelotter was walking to work every morning. He'd be literally just stepping over used condoms and crack vials. And every now and then, he'd find a, a dazed prostitute in the lobby who had no idea what time it was. He'd be like, no, no, sun's up. It's like 8 o'clock in the morning. That was where he was just working. Yeah. <laughs> it's the neighborhood they lived in. Kind of yeah, like us making shit when we were in high school. It's like, where are we going to go? Well, we live here, so let's just do it here. There's an alley behind my apartment building. Let's go there. We'll go block that way, and we'll just shoot something. Although, honestly, I think the budget, when he pitched Frankenhooker to Jim Glickenhouse, I mean, he liked Frankenhooker, but it was an unknown quantity. Mm-hmm. He wanted something else, and so uh, and Lauder also pitched Basket Case 2, because Basket Case had turned into a pretty big hit that way basket case two sounded kind of like a surefire money maker you know they're putting out a big risk putting out money for a movie called frankenhooker but yeah. basket case two kind of alleviates that concern glickenhouse gave him a, i believe it was a combined budget of three million dollars and said split it down the middle 1.5 for frankenhooker 1.5 for basket case two now this is more money than Penn and Lauder had ever had i was gonna say w- when did this come out what year was that 1990 90 a million dollars was a shitload of money to make a movie not a big budget movie, but that was for not Frank a low Hooker, budget. Yes, yeah. For Frankenhooker, that was like, how many fucking mannequins can we buy? Hey, you know what? We can cut $100,000 out if we never use blood at all. Because I believe the final uh, estimated budget for Basket Case was around $30,000. Hen and Lauder financed the film with his life savings. Whatever he would shoot, he ended up developing it, and he would show that off to potential financiers, and they would give him more money. It ended so up, then he filmed the next scene. Brain damage cost a little more, but nowhere near $1.5 million. This is the biggest budget Hen and Lauder had ever worked with so far. It was a bigger deal, but even that... $1.5 million only goes so far. One of the ways they saved money was when they created the sets for Frankenhooker, they made sure that they could all be repurposed for Basket Case 2. Is Basket Case 2 a real thing? I've never seen it. Oh yeah, there's Basket Case 3. Oh. Basket Case 2 is bizarre and ambitious. It's got a bunch of freaks in it. There's a lot of great prosthetics in it. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Basket Case 3, not so much. Basket Case 2, I don't know. I think a lot of people would consider it on par with the first in terms of just the overall story, but in terms of special effects, it blows the first film out of the water. Gabe Bartolos did the effects for Basket Case 2. He did the effects for Frankenhooker and for uh, Brain Damage. He did Aylmer. It was the whole thing. And as far as the blood went, it wasn't saving money for Frank Henenlotter. He never saw it as a horror film. Yeah. He was making a bizarro fucking comedy. An exploitation yeah. comedy. In regards to that, I watched this on Shudder and I like to read some of the comments. Sometimes there's some pretty informed horror fans who comment on Shudder. Literally the only complaint against this movie was even the people who gave it 2 out of 5 skulls said stupid and fun but not a horror movie shouldn't be here i feel you it's not a horror but it's a horror comedy there's such a thing this is as close as you could get it's supposed to be like weird and freaky and terrifying but it's fucking a laugh riot from top to bottom it's an exploitation movie yeah if you watch hen and other movies that's what he always wanted to make he never gave a shit about oh it's horror the only real uh, label he wanted on any of his movies was exploitation frankenhooker is just doing its own thing it's a horror comedy because how else are you going to classify it but it's not a horror movie. At no point is it trying to scare you. There is not a single scare in the movie. Yeah. It's a comedy. That's why there's no blood. If there was gallons of blood all the time, like when the hookers were exploding, if there was blood and gore and guts flying everywhere, that's not funny. That's just fucked up. That's true. It, it would cost a lot more, but also it'd be weird and fucked up. He just <laughs> wanted big-ass explosion. That's what he yeah. wanted. It was just funny watching the mannequin body parts fly around. Clearly like a hollow piece of plastic clattering to the floor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look it doesn't look at all realistic and that's by design it's just also fun. yeah when that fucking leg goes careening towards the dresser yeah. that severed leg and the camera's following it come on that's perfect mm-hmm. but yeah just reading the comments i was like okay apparently this is not a 
horror movie. I'm not going to be scared. Got no. it. Did I ever give you the impression that Frankenhooker was supposed to be scary? No. I can figure these things out by the title and the premise. Listen to the title, Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. That's not yeah. trying to scare anybody. I just like that even the negative reviews gave it two out of five skulls. <laughs> It was kind of stupid and fun, but it wasn't a horror movie. And I watched movies on Shudder because I think they're horror movies. I think maybe that's probably where I assumed it was a horror movie. There's stuff on Shudder that isn't, strictly speaking, horror. I mean, Heather's was on Shudder. It Heather's was on, is, yeah. It's got horror elements to it, but it's not a horror movie. I don't know. What are we talking about? Uh, Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. Frank right. Yeah, right from the beginning when I saw Lloyd Kaufman's name, even if he had nothing to do with it, I was like, okay, that set my expectations. <laughs> even if he didn't do shit with this movie, it's like, oh. Oh, I'm ready. And it did not disappoint in that aspect. It's just a fucking ridiculous thrill ride madness and nonsense. It is. It's completely <laughs> out of its fucking mind. <laughs> first of all, no one cares that Jeffrey has a brain in a tube at the dinner table. That's like the first scene. Jesus, that's it. That's it. That's right. Now follow my hand. Look at the hand. Just follow the hand. Come on. Got it. Follow my hand. We're in sync now. Now we're cooking. That's it. That's it. That's right. Look at Jeffrey, be a doll and pass me the ketchup. A brain with one big with eyeball. With an eyeball surgically implanted in the middle. If you look at old promotional material for the brain that wouldn't die, there is like a brain in a jar with an eyeball embedded in it. It's right out of the brain that wouldn't die. Hedda Lauder loved the brain that wouldn't die. Used Frankenhooker to sneak in homages to that film. It's just there on the kitchen table. Jeffrey's fucking with it. His mother-in-law comes in, asks him to pass the ketchup. She takes this all in right she's used to it he's got a brain in a jar and he reaches in between like the Erlenmeyer flask and the beaker and fucking under the tube to grab the ketchup and hand it to her no big deal oh what's this uh i'm not sure bubbling pink what do you call it estrogen liquid an estrogen based it's like a preservative fluid yeah fluid or something yeah even before that starts while they're getting credits are rolling the camera's going over this like architectural schematic of a human body there's someone just mumbling nonsense i tried to listen to it and having a, a science background i was like he's literally mumbling everything he remembers from high school science like the i just imagine the actor was mumbling shit at least inflate them at least three inches they can't tell me what to do i want to get rid of that chicken neck lump so i just don't want to set the arm on fire i'm not going to get shocked if i extension cord i need a three-pronged hair <laughs> he literally says mc equals mc squared at some point you're like what yeah uh, it's just like okay test tubes and a fucking brain with an eyeball floating on the kitchen table and she asked for the ketchup be a doll and pass me the ketchup that's how that's how we're starting off all right the first act is um, her birthday party. Elizabeth's dad's birthday party. Oh, yeah, it's the dad, yeah. What does Jeffrey give Elizabeth's father for his birthday? Fancy new lawnmower, which is funny, because they call it a lawnmower. That's not a lawnmower. That's clearly a fucking wood chipper or a mulcher, or like a ground tiller. This is not a fucking lawnmower. That's not the joke. Congrats. That's the joke. <laughs> it's the ultimate lawnmower. One thing I want to mention first is that Elizabeth is talking to a friend of hers at the party before this, and and she mentions that at some point how she has issues with overeating because you see she's wearing like bulky clothes and oh, uh, yeah. patty mullen yeah, yeah. she was in a fat suit it was not an elaborate fat suit because they didn't have the money for it they didn't have the money to do prosthetics to give her like a double chin or anything she's talking to her friend about oh heck i've tried it all and nothing works i've tried liquid diets seafood diets vegetable diets fruit diets pills powders weight watchers and clinics i even had jeffrey staple my stomach and nothing helps Jeffrey stapled your stomach? Yeah, but it didn't help much. I'm still a compulsive eater. He's a, he's a medical school dropout. That's what her friend says. I didn't know Jeffrey was a doctor. Oh, yes and no. I thought he worked for New Jersey Electric. Oh, he does. He's just sort of a doctor in his spare time. Calls himself a bioelectro technician, whatever that means. Whatever he's my fiance. The, the line is, he's my fiance. I have to trust him. Well, is he at least going to medical school? <laughs> Goodness, no. He's been kicked out of three of them already. And you let him operate on you? Well, of course. I mean, we're going to be married. <laughs> okay. Okay. And the other joke is, 
she's not fat. She's an incredibly thin, attractive oh, lady yeah. who was in, like you said, she was in fucking just, penthouse. Just wearing big clothes to try to make just, her look yeah. fat. It's like, come yeah, on. It, me being kind of dull. It took me a minute to understand that that was the joke. Wait, she's skinny. What is this? Oh. Yeah, okay, okay, I get it. And then she activates the remote control lawnmower while standing in front of it. And Jeffrey says it. Like, Mumbling. Don't stand in front uh, of it. Don't stand in front of it. And it's so easy. You just turn it on like this. Don't stand in front of it. I mean, I, you hate to say it, but Elizabeth's an idiot. You don't do that. You don't stand right in front of the remote control lawnmower, turn it on, and then you don't activate it. Well, no, absolutely well, it's behind not. you. With well, your yeah, exactly. You don't do that. And this controls the speed and the direction. So when you want it to go, you just press this. And then she gets destroyed. You're on your way, Jeff. Don't stand in front of it. <laughs> and that, and this is what, I don't know, maybe four minutes, five minutes into the movie? Basically the prologue yeah, before the movie guess, itself starts. Because the credits really. are what you were talking about where Jeffrey's mumbling over the schematic of the body, figuring out how to put his new Frankenhooker together. They don't tell you how much time has passed. Yeah. But clearly some time has passed because Jeffrey looks like shit. His hair's all fucked up. He looks pale. He's re-watching the local news story covering her accident. It made me laugh so hard I wrote the entire monologue from the, the news lady down i was laughing so hard i was like i need to write this down what began as a birthday barbecue ended in a bizarre tragedy in hohokus new jersey today it was this power mower that brought a quick end to the life of 21 year old bride-to-be elizabeth shelley like wood through a mulcher the girthful fiance disappeared beneath the blades of the berserk mower that sent her personality raining down upon the horrified birthday revelers in a blaze of blood bones and body parts the vivacious young girl was instantly reduced to a tossed human salad a salad that Police are still trying to gather up. A salad that was once named Elizabeth. And I was, <laughs> I was laughing so goddamn hard. The girthful fiance. And then, yeah, and then later you find out that there's parts missing. It's like they're interviewing yeah. Jeffrey. One of the eyewitnesses to this terrible tragedy is also the young victim's fiance. Excuse me, you saw the accident happen? I don't want to talk about it. And you have no idea what happened to the head? I don't I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see it. I, the last time I saw it, it was uh, it was spinning through the air. I don't. Why don't you just leave people alone with their grief? Huh? Spoiler alert: Jeffrey keeps parts of her and is going to reanimate her in a Frankenhooker sort of fashion. The Frankenhooker part comes later. That news scene broke up the first part into the second part, which was his search for parts. I guess. There's a great moment. You see the, this bunch of uh, framed photos on the wall and Jeffrey walks up and adjusts one of them. The one in the center, the largest one. Yeah. And it, it's crooked so he adjusts it but he adjusts it the other way so now it's, it's just crooked. Instead of crooked to the left, it's crooked to the right. All of the other photos here are also crooked. It's literally a visual representation of Jeffrey's mental state. I mean, mm -hmm. I know it's a comedy called Frankenhooker. You can't have anything symbolic in it, right? You can't have something in it that, that means, it something. means something. But no, they they absolutely did and it works really well it's bizarre and it's funny but looking at all these photos they're all deliberately crooked that's his brain that's his mental state right there it's symbolism and it works really mm -hmm. well i gotta give him credit for that it's not just a joke it's like holy shit that's really that's kind of clever good job frank every time i watch the movie that sticks out to me i'm like yeah that's good i think that's right before his mother comes in and he starts talking to her louise lasser why don't you try going back to medical school and one of my favorite lines medical school's upset me mother <laughs> <laughs> medical schools upset me, i just mother. love medical schools that they all upset you no the whole thing medical schools upset me mother and that's one of those like serial killer moments oh jeffrey i'm worried about you yeah well so am i ma i can't think straight anymore like my reasoning is all uh twisted and distorted i seem to be disassociating myself from reality more and more becoming dangerously amoral i've lost the ability to distinguish between right from wrong i mean i feel like sometimes i'm, I'm plunging headfirst into some kind of black void of sheer utter madness i'm scared Ma. but yeah, yeah but yeah. It, but it just rolls off and then it's nothing do you want a sandwich no thanks in like a true crime detective show and that's the moment his mother realized he was a fucked up murderer. Not here. No, Not here, no. no. It just, she's just like, well, whatever. Do you want a sandwich? I love how excited and proud she is when she sees the floating brain now in an aquarium. In and the aquarium like, with fish. You're working fine now. Oh, Jeffrey, you're looking so 
Sure. He doesn't even know what the fuck it is. He just made the thing. Yeah. No one ever questions where did you get a human brain and a human eyeball? That's not important. And it makes no fucking sense. He doesn't even know why it's there, <laughs> but it's there. <laughs> what does it do? I don't know. I don't know. And then it that's it. You never see it again. I, I do have to mention Frankenhooker was co written by Robert Martin, aka Uncle Bob, founder of Fangoria Magazine. That's just a little bit trivia right there he became friends with frank hennenlotter because martin wanted to write a novelization of brain damage hennenlotter told him don't just adapt the screenplay do your own thing with it do what you want with the story and make it its own unique thing and so he did and this is one of those novelizations i've tried to get my hands on for years but i can't fucking find it And when i do it's a lot of fucking money oh yeah i've wanted to read this thing for a long time and I can't get my hands on it for a reasonable price. It drives me nuts. Martin really did very liberally adapt the screenplay to brain damage and make his own story out of it. Frank Hennenlotter liked it enough that he was like, hey, you uh, you want to write a movie called Frankenhooker with me? These two guys got together and wrote Frankenhooker. It just makes me happy. The founder of Fangoria Magazine and Frank Hennenlotter. What was that guy's name? Uh, Robert Martin. They called him Uncle Bob. You can get brain damage for free on the Kindle. I can get it for free on Kindle? Zero dollars. Read for free. Kindle Unlimited. Oh, $2.99 to buy. Paperback, $250. Yes. <laughs> that's my problem, Kai. That's, that's the problem there. You can't find it for a good price. And you see him smuggle a giant spark plug. I don't know. <laughs> Out of the back of his car. The apparatus in that garage that he's retrofitted into his lab. It's like, he literally just stole that from his job. All of it. And, you know, I was looking at that and I was like, for a low-budget movie, this actually looks like a pretty cool mad scientist dungeon. They did a good job with it. And if you look at it, you can tell it's all, like, dryer ducts and hoses and clamps from fucking cars and beakers full of colorful dyed water and shit. It actually looks kind of cool. They did a good job putting it all together. You see the uh, Heat's dinner with Elizabeth severed head. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling? Sorry I'm late. I was talking with mom. You know how she yaps. Do you feel like having Italian tonight? You look radiant tonight, Elizabeth. Those baths are doing you a world of good. You've got such a healthy glow now. You look luminous. Now that that's the part where okay, the rest of it is weird campiness, but that's when shit just goes overboard. It's all overboard from that point on. As soon as he starts pouring like wine into the head's mouth and it and leaks it, all and right it, out onto the fucking tablecloth. I wrote that shit down. He said Here's to you, to us, to new beginnings. He's mumbling, he's going, here you go, a little cleanse the palate. Cleanse the palate. Uh, yeah, know, cleanse gonna... the palate, yeah. There we go. Nice and slow. That's very good. How do you like that Beaujolais? He takes a giant silver domed lid off a silver platter and pulls out what is clearly a very cold piece of cheese pizza. <laughs> goes to town on it and i fucking lost it again uh, where did this silver platter come from none of these people are rich they're not no, in a mansion no. why does he have a fucking giant silver platter with a cold piece of fucking cheese pizza <laughs> under it we're gonna have some italian tonight okay just a shitty piece of frozen <laughs> pizza okay he pours the wine through and it starts soaking into the tablecloth cleanse the palate <laughs> That shit was ludicrous. And then he throws her in all her parts. Like well, no, a... he reads the poem first. Oh, the poem, yes. The fucking Fuck. poem. Contents under pressure. The fucking poem. <laughs> Warning. Contents under pressure by Jeffrey Franklin. I was laughing so hard I didn't even write that down. Now I, I, I remember. I know it. I know the fucking poem. <laughs> contents under pressure. I've heard just I've... the title. Warning, contents under pressure. That's the actual title of the poem. My heart is packed so full of love for you that I dreamed I exploded like aerosol can sometimes do. I blew with such force that my bones became shrapnel and leveled the town except the small chapel. My teeth flew like bullets. I didn't know what was happening. They killed everyone in sight except for the chaplain. And thanks to him, we were happily wed. Even though at the time, I think we were both dead. The end. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Written by Robert Martin. Yeah, that is bonkers. I know it's not the best poem in the world, but... You know what else is bonkers is that at some point Frank Hedenlotter actually showed Frankenhooker to Joseph Green, the director of The Brain That Wouldn't Die. Joseph Green loved the movie. It was all worth it. So what happens next? In Frankenhooker. Is this the part where he fucking devolves and uh, gives himself a, another lobotomy? The with the drill? What I wrote down was actually bowling balls and drill bits. Why does he For have no a drill apparent bit reason, bowling bag? He's got a bowling bag. Fucking special bag that you put one bowling ball in 
and he opens it up like four feet above the table and dumps it out and a boy ball falls out and so does like a handful of fucking drill bits why, why is he hiding them? them there why is he why hiding is he... them at all and it's at that point that you know that he's just totally fucking batshit crazy <laughs> but it, it, doesn't, like, it doesn't make any like sense boy balls and drill bits what the fuck he's using this drill he uses it to basically help him calm down and to help so him he can get focus, more creative right get a little focus. focus key to this whole thing is relaxation relax calm down and relax gotta get radical here some people need drugs some people need booze they just need a little surgical assistance it doesn't really work <laughs> it does first. not work <laughs> no at first it doesn't work because he comes up with this idea of like kidnapping stewardesses okay i gotta get some stewardesses stewardesses I'll walk onto the plane. I got a maintenance uniform. Uh, there's a screw loose in a luggage door. You got to follow me and get off the plane. Then he tries it again. Oh, yeah. Hookers. He moves the drill back a little bit, shoves yeah, it in yeah. a little harder. If I need female body parts, then I'll buy female body parts. And there's a place across the river where there are thousands of women anxious to sell their parts. With no questions asked. Of course, with the right amount of cash. I do have my Christmas club account. I just love the idea that it actually worked. He can pay hookers. Look at him in the hotel room. He'll formulate that super crack and make him pop like fucking balloons full of fireworks. Super crack. That's one of the other things that I was like, oh, I've seen this. Giant fucking sugar rocks that are like fist-sized. Tooling around New York City, coming over from uh, Hohokus, New Jersey, which is a real town, by the way. Hohokus. Hohokus is a real town. From then on, he's pretty much referred to as Jersey Boy. You're a Jersey Boy, ain't you? Jersey Boy. This here's Jersey Doctor Jersey Boy. Doctor Jersey Boy. A random note I wrote here under this part. May have been a little drunk at this point also. I wrote, turns into Dana Carvey with an arrow that says no chin. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that means. I don't know what the fuck that means either. <laughs> Apparently he drilled out part of his head. So did I. I also <laughs> wrote no blood ever as he's drilling into his own head. No, no blood. And there's just nothing happening. Because if there was blood, once again, it wouldn't be funny. There's like blood pouring out of the guy's head when he's drilling himself. It's like it wouldn't work that way. Oh, take it easy now. Take it easy. Don't flip out. Don't flip out. Just relax. You go meet Zorro at Huevos Grande Bar and Grill. Zorro. Zorro. Zara. Back in the bathroom. First of all, quite a large bathroom. And there are at least 25 people in this bathroom. It is, it is packed. Doing drugs, having sex, and some other weird shit's happening. There's a lot of weird shit written on the stalled doors. Paranoid pricks room is my favorite. Beer is blood. Blood is beer. Shit like that. I, I saw that beer is blood. Well, he's talking to Zorro. The girls are on a glass diet. Glass diet. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of folks on at these parts. But yeah, he makes a deal with Zorro. He goes back. He buys some crack because he needs to synthesize it's the super crack. How much is one of those little baggies? One of these? Yeah. Frank Hennelotter came up with the idea for super crack because he couldn't have Jeffrey just kill these hookers. That would completely destroy his character. There's no sympathy for him at that point if he's butchering a bunch of prostitutes. So if he just creates crack and then they smoke it and they blow up, well, you know, that's ridiculous and goofy. She's right. This crack shit's killing him. This super crack will get the job done a lot quicker. At that point, you can see the uh, the mad scientist hair, the poofy. His hairstyle gets poofier and poofier until the climax of the film. During the scene, you get a brief cameo on the television as Jeffrey's synthesizing the super crack from uh, Beverly Bonner. She played Casey in Basket Case, and she's playing the same character in that scene, that Motormouth talk show, the Morton Downey Jr. parody. Mm -hmm. She's playing the same character advocating for uh, prostitute rights. I am talking about honestly believe that legalizing prostitution is going to somehow magically make all of these problems disappear. Well, it's a start. Organization Hooker, which stands for Hold On to Our Knowledge of Equal Rights. Beverly Bonner, after Basket Case, she became Frank Hennenletter's good luck charm. She was in, like, everything he made after that. It's just like Brain Damage included a uh, brief cameo from Kevin Van Hentenrick in the subway holding the, the big wicker basket, which you can assume is holding Belial. It's just a cute little homage, a little thing that says it's all in the same universe which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. right, hooker. The hookers. Like, if you know, hey, look, if the hookers, they don't have to take the super crack. I'm merely going to place a lethal form of crack in their presence. They don't have to take it. Nobody has a gun to their head. If they don't want to do it, they can just say no. Yeah, I get it. Nancy Reagan, sure. We're moving on to uh, whatever comes next. The hotel, the sultry arms. And he has a pile of fucking naked ladies. This is Angel. Hi. Crystal. Hello. Amber, you already met. Hi. 
Nice to see you again. Anise. How do you do? Chartreuse. Pleasure. Snow. Hello. Sugar and monkey. Now, girls, Zoro told you all about Jeffrey. It's his party, and he wants to play doctor. Now, if Jeffrey wants anything more than that, you gotta let me know. Because Jeffrey is a good personal friend of Zoro's. And he's getting a special rate. Understood? Yes. yes. He spends an inordinate amount of time checking Mesh. and measuring. And that was also why he got a discount. Got a special rate. But the whole sequence is funny. Like, Zoro is in the lobby of the hotel waiting for the girls. The manager of the hotel. They're friends. They're pals. Hey, Zoro, what's up? Jeffrey puts the check mark on one of the prostitutes' buttocks. And of course, I mean, you notice later on in the movie, Frankenhooker's about to rail the miracle whip man. She walks into the frame and you see the check mark on her butt. So it's like, yeah, oh, I, I get it. This butt cheek is in. It's the butt that he thought was tops. You are the Frankenhooker authority in my world. Jeffrey decides he doesn't want to go through with it. He has a crisis of conscience. You're, you're all very nice. You've been very nice, but I can't do it. I, I can't go through with this. After he's paid for the hookers, made the super crack. He's made the super crack. He's brought it with him. You're talking about money? I'm talking about human life. You want money? Here. Here. Take the goddamn money. What do you think's been going on here? Everybody, play with the money. Play with the dirty money. Play with your dirty money. He throws the bag at them. But then she sees the super crap. And then everything goes off the rails. Holy shit, jump! Super jump! Holy shit, Lonnie! Jump! Put that back. That's supposed to be for the winner. Look at this, girls! The party ain't over yet! They all freak. I love how they freak out when they see that super crack. They're screaming and hollering. They're having a blast. And Jeffrey's trying to stop them, but then they just pin him down and start smoking the super crack on top yeah. of him. That's dangerous. They start playing this fucking song. The lyrics of the song were actually written by Jim Glickenhouse. It's not a real song. It was made for the movie. Oh, no, not the devil's music. Turn it off. That's no good. It's a deadly mixture. Please, it's telling you to do things you shouldn't be doing. Same sex is Russian roulette never gets old. You hear Jeffrey screaming, that's the devil's music. <laughs> yeah, no, not rock and roll. That's the devil's music. It's a deadly mixture. Like, he's just sung <laughs> yeah. this whole time. I can only imagine he was improving that shit. Maybe, maybe not, but it felt like he was just... They said, I don't know, scream at the ladies to stop doing what they're doing. <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. That's fucking hilarious. All the hookers blow up in an orgy of fireworks. Orgy of mannequin fireworks. They're not exactly mannequins because they were all molded by Gabe Bartalos. All of the actresses yeah. that appear in the movie were cast by Gabe Bartalos in those poses. They had to have them match those poses on set. Frank Hennemotter kept telling Gabe Bartalos that they don't need to look realistic when they blow up. Oh God, he's gonna blow! She's gonna blow! Duck and cover! Is it awfully hot in here? It's not supposed to be the slightest bit realistic. All the prostitutes blow up except for Honey. Then Honey's got a switchblade in her hand. And she's gonna fucking carve up Jeffrey. All humanity crashing. It's burning. I'm sorry. Jeffrey! Her head goes careening towards the door, beans Zoro in the head. Right as he shoulders the door in. He gets knocked out. <laughs> and then in the moment when Jeffrey's putting the body parts in like garbage bags, you can see Honey's hand, her severed hand, still holding the switchblade, which is embedded in the back of a chair. He's standing there like apologizing profusely to the prostitute. Everybody, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. This is an accident. I want to apologize <laughs> to everybody. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to put everybody back together. I promise you. Well, first, I, I got to put Elizabeth back together because that's, that's the whole point of this. And then I'm going to take care of everybody. I'm going to get to everybody. Just take it easy. Yeah. First, we got to take a trip to I'm going to fix all this. I'm going to fix all this. Puts them all in garbage bags, tosses out the fucking fire escape. We had that moment earlier on, I suppose I didn't mention that, when he's watching a news broadcast and the weatherman tells him there's a big storm coming and that's his ticking clock. Now, of course, the weatherman is an insane person. 
and he's played by John Zachary. And as you can see from this lovely map right here, we have some very exciting weather arriving here in about two days. More thunder and lightning and electricity than you've ever enjoyed before. <laughs> very spooky, very spooky. And just right for you mad doctors out there. <laughs> Literally in character as Zachary, his uh, iconic horror show host persona. In Brain Damage, Zachary played the voice of Elmer, but he couldn't be credited because Brain Damage was a non-union production. If he'd been credited, he would have been penalized by the union. With Frankenhooker, he was able to get a credit because it was a SAG production. First time ever, it was an actual union production for Frank Hennemwater. When John Zachary showed up on set, no one recognized him because he wasn't in makeup or anything. He went off and did his own makeup, got into character. When he came back up on set, a lot of the cast and crew members actually recognized him. They're like, oh my god, it's Zachary. I can't fucking believe it's Zachary. And so they spent a lot of time getting autographs and stuff from him. It was a very sweet moment and Frank Hennemwater was very happy that he was able to see that because he grew up watching watching Zachary on TV. So this is a big moment for him. He knew Zachary. He'd become friends with him. But this was the first time I think he'd actually seen him in the makeup since he was a kid. Seeing this was a huge moment for him personally. That's just a very sweet thing that he was able to do on set. That's cool. That's all. I just wanted to mention that because I think it's endearing. This is one of his heroes growing up as a kid. He was able to have him basically play that iconic character in one of his movies, which is a, a big thing for him. That's it. We can move on. The creation of Frankenhood hooker with the welding i don't know why there's welding happening, oh yeah that shit was hilarious he puts like purple paste on the body parts that weld oh, them yeah, together yeah, like, yeah he puts this thick purple glue that connects them which i don't know if that's supposed to be the estrogen fluid that he made or some what? version of it but that's kind of what I, I assumed because it was kind of the same purpley color the other one was a little more pink i don't know apparently frank henlotter just thought it was funny yeah. like that, that's as far as he went with it he wasn't trying to figure anything out he just thought it would be, fun, be He's funny basically well, butters up this fucking forearm sticks it to the fucking <laughs> sticks it to the other half of the arm and then welds yeah. it together he thought welding would be funny and it was funny <laughs> and, and it, it was worked. fucking hilarious <laughs> gotta tell you this is what i'm talking about now there's a fucking grocery cart full of body parts behind him yeah and again with no blood that that was a good choice because it makes it that much more funny mannequin legs with high heels and grocery yeah. cart behind it and Box some weird hair the whole time i'm like how's he gonna harvest parts they're all gonna blow up and then it didn't really matter they all blew up but he figured oh i'm so sorry i'm gonna bring you back I'm going to bring back. I promise I'm going to fix this. And then all of a sudden he has like a uh, reach in freezer full of the liquid. He's just dumping all the parts into it. Now just relax. going to get to each and every one of you as soon as I can, just like I promised. Platter full of tits. Yeah. <laughs> That's the same silver platter. No more, no more cheese pizza. Now we got yeah. a giant platter of mismatched tits. Yeah, he ate the pizza. It just looks like a uh, breast augmentation facilities reject samples. Like, nah, that one doesn't look perfect. Can I have those? Sure, kid, whatever. Just walks out with a platter full of fucking tits. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, just... and it takes like a minute to like match him and be like, no. He's taking his time. He's trying to figure out how to make the perfect woman. Through a lot of these, he's just kind of mumbling to himself also. Yeah, that, yeah, that's I think that was her, yeah. The part when he's filing off the bunions on one of the oh, feet. God. You know? Oh, my God. Bunions! Using a fucking heavy-duty wood file on a woman's bunions on her foot. Yeah. A heavy-duty wood file would shred your skin to the bone. And he's, like, going hardcore, like, hey, fucking bunions, it's not gonna do. It's not gonna do. Wood file on bunions is a laugh riot. He's working those bunions, <laughs> He's too. working that shit. It's Frankenhooker, Kai. It doesn't matter. What is he? Bioelectrical engineer. Bioelectrotechnician, whatever that means. And honestly, I think it's a really good homage to the old uh, Frankenstein movies. The whole birth of Frankenhooker sequence with the sparking Storm apparatus coming in. That great moment when he sends her up, he says, good luck. Good luck. She goes up, she's lying flat. When she comes down, she's standing up. And it doesn't make any logical sense. It looks good. It looks yeah. cool. When she comes down, she's already standing up underneath the, the sheet. He pulls the sheet away. You hear those, those chimes, like those bells. And it's this really cool homage to Bride of Frankenstein. And it works well. And then she looks at him and says, Want a date? 
There we uh-huh. go. The illusion is broken. Why does she already have a purse, by the way? She comes down <laughs> on the platform carrying a purse. Lightning Bolt brought it for her. And those big Boris Karloff platform shoes, which once again makes no fucking logical sense except Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the logic. And then she kind of... Want a date? And then she pushes him and runs out the door. Oh yeah, when he tells her he doesn't have any money. That was it. That was the trigger. Got any money? Money? No, I don't, I don't have any money. <laughs> She goes off back to New York City. Wait a minute. You're not going to go back there. Turn tricks, I guess, because that's what she does. The scene in the subway is great. She makes that one kid in the Led Zeppelin shirt very uncomfortable. <laughs> and then when she meets the uh, creepy bald man played by David Lippman. Oh, yes. God, yes. Yes. He was in a movie called The Executioner where he played another creep, but I called him the Miracle Whip Man earlier because he was in a series of Miracle Whip commercials back in the day. That was like his big claim to fame. And so you got the Miracle Whip guy getting picked up by Frankenhooker. He's thrilled. He's happy as shit. When he sees where she's taking him to the sultry arms. I know this place. I love this place. I love this place. I love that whole sequence. He's a tourist. The most famous tourist destination you could imagine. Just, oh my god, I can't believe it's real. Oh my god, you're bringing me here? I love this place. Yes, yes, yes. He doesn't know there's like a hundred hookers on that block. He could go <laughs> go have sex with them. But and not just... die. But yeah, but he's so excited because she chose him. She's going to fuck me to death. All right. I don't even think he cared at that point. He's oh, no, he was down. Paging Dr. Jeffrey. Paging Dr. Jeffrey. She is, at this point, also clearly stitched together like Frankenstein. She's a collection of yeah. body parts. You, her you right hand tell. is from a black lady. It's her forearm on her, her left forearm. Arm. Her right hand, pure white, with like purple fingernails. And her left hand is her actual hand. That's Elizabeth's hand. That's the other part that was still Oh, there. yeah. But I love the cartoon, like, boink noise when she pops her bra off. Yeah! It's fucking like Looney Tunes at that point. Like, boink? <laughs> what happens next, though, Baldy can't take the heat. It's sort of hot He blows up because Frankenhooker has apparently the same powers as the Supercrack, I guess. Yeah, she fucked him to death. He died happy, though. He died happy. Yeah, yeah that's the other thing. I, I never felt bad for him at all. He was happy as fuck. The last words of his severed head. Oh, that was wonderful. Very, very pleased with the results. Good he for paid him. for it. He got it. He paid for it. After he blew up, she took the money out of his yeah. wallet, which is great. She walks out of the room, walks back, you can get his wallet. Just a wonderful little moment. In the close-ups, you'll see that some of the prosthetic effects... I mean, she's actually wearing some very extensive prosthetics, Patty Mullen, in the movie. You may not notice it at first, but she's covered in prosthetic effects. It took hours to actually apply them every day. And one of the cool things is that when you see the stitch work, like in the joints, all of that was applied every day. It wasn't molded into the, uh, the prosthetics. They actually literally stitched those prosthetics every day. They're real stitches, and it looks real. That's why it looks so real when you're looking at it in the movie. They did that extra a little bit of work every time yeah she overall prosthetics are pretty cool i mean patty mullen is committed to that role she's really giving it her all that she's the only one taking this seriously makes it that much better that was a fearless performance on her part put me those platform shoes and this ridiculous prosthetics i will play frankenhooker whoever played that role had to have played it 100 serious while people are doing the most ridiculous campy shit in front of you but you have to remain serious like a fucking zombie robot high on super crack are you gonna and she fucking nailed it. I mean, there's humor in the performance, but it's all like... She's not being funny. The character Frankenhooker is not being funny. She's just literally parroting all the lines that you heard all the other hookers say earlier in the movie. She's barely alive. Frankenstein powered by super crack. She is a Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. She goes back to Huevos Grande. That whole thing when Zoro's talking at the bar. No, 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 no. I didn't lose it, man. They just blew up. And he has like his friend there. And he excuses himself when he sees Frankenhooker at the other end of the bar, who has a thing when she sees those pretzels. <laughs> That's how you know it's still Elizabeth in yeah. there somewhere. There's, there's still some Elizabeth in there, right? Oh, that's what she was eating at the party at the beginning. By the way, for your own good, ease up on the pretzels. And you get that moment. Zoro's friend says, I'll catch you later. 
Lots of luck with you and them exploding bitches. And then Zoro's just out of the picture for like three or four minutes. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's sitting right there. He takes Frankenhooker into the corner and tells her all this weird shit. Into the that she's VIP not booth. To. Yeah. And he starts he whispering hot boy shit to her. Somebody's gotta take care of you. Somebody like me who can protect you. Somebody who understands you will eat worse And then he crawls under the table and goes down on her and she gets a perplexed look. And then you just see his legs go straight and fucking explode. Because <laughs> apparently that pussy is super cracked. Jeffrey's looking for Frankenhooker now. He's looking for Elizabeth. He's in Times Square. So he's asking people if they've seen like a, a giant purple lady. Listen, I'm looking for a very tall, attractive woman. She's purple. She's got fresh scars on her. She's very sick. Stops this one guy wearing a Batman t-shirt, who a lot of people for a long time thought was a cameo by Rutger Hauer, which never made sense to me. That guy does not look like Rutger Hauer. Please, you gotta help me out here. I'm looking for my girlfriend. She's very sick. I gotta get her medicine. She's purple. She's got some scars on her. A purple outfit. Have you seen her around here? Oh, yeah. Feel of them. They have her too for myself. What are you talking about? What are you, some kind of a Swede? You're talking to me in Swedish in Times Square. You're talking to me in Swedish in Times Square? <laughs> yeah, what are you, some kind of Swede? <laughs> what the fuck? I like that he's credited as Batman shirt in the, in the actual end credits. Really? He's credited as Batman shirt. Frankenhooker. He meets that, that street preacher talking about the horror Babylon. Oh, yeah. And, he, and he's talking about the horror Babylon. And Jeff's like, so you've seen her. They're a woman arrayed in purple and scarlet. They shall wail and lament when they see the smoke of her burning. So you've seen her. She's in the bar! God bless! It's yeah. just a punchline. It's just a quick joke. But then Zoro knocks Frankenhooker's block off. Just fucking takes a swing at her. Knocks her head right off. This ain't your tattoo. This ain't your arm. Where'd you get this arm? This is one of my bitches' arms. Who the fuck are you? He's blasting voltage all over the place. It's great. And if you look at that animatronic head, it's really well done. When you see the mouth moving, those teeth look fucking real. It's spooky as shit. Jeffrey goes in and he sees her, tries to put her head back on, leads her out, taking her back to the car. The street preacher is still there. Okay, yes, I, I, get the door. I know you did. I know. Oh, Don't bump your head. That's right. Nice and easy. Yes, That's I right. I know you did. Okay, thank you. I told you. That's a good man. Right, then it's all Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a good man. We're finally at the conclusion. Jeffrey's brought uh, Elizabeth back to his lab, gives her another jolt after repairing her neck. Elizabeth is back. She's herself again. I mean, it's actually kind of a sweet scene. She realizes that she's kind of a miracle. This is fantastic. This is incredible. What a miracle. You have to share this with the rest of the world. Things aren't going to be the same, but they, maybe they could be better. And then Zoro sneaks up behind him, chops his fucking head off with one swipe. Now more than ever, I love you. And we're going to spend the rest of our lives together, me and you. doesn't even introduce himself he's just like this is it takes his head right off and then tries to entice elizabeth back into uh the hooker lifestyle with another bag of crack which really only serves to entice the uh freezer full of hooker parts that comes to life and drags zero back into the freezer with them well sorrow's here to take care of you again and sorrow knows what you need to get in the right state of mind some of this sweet sweet rock Oh shit, get the fuck away from me! (laughs) Those horrifying combinations of pieces, like hands and teeth, there's like a mouth. There's a foot. The torso that's upside down. Yeah. Oh, and it has God. no legs. And instead of a vagina, there's a mouth. You will notice during this sequence, before Jeffrey gets his head chopped off, that his hair is back to normal. His I didn't notice his, his hair. His hair is normal. Okay. He's got Elizabeth back. Uh, He's okay. His hair gets bigger and bigger till this scene. And now his hair's fine. Now, just one final detail. One other thing I wrote down right before this happened. When he's looking for Elizabeth, these guys start questioning him. He's like, gotta get back to my, my emergency oh, room. It's a pimp. He's talking to a pimp. What are you dressed like? 
just like that, man. Right thing. Did you do the fucking right thing? That's the question. Did you do the gotta, right thing? I'm huh? going to the hospital now. I gotta go to my emergency room. I'll put you in the fucking emergency room. What are you, a fucking sick son of a bitch? Huh? Obviously not. <laughs> How <laughs> doctor yeah, the situation? Well, yeah, he's talking to those hookers. Have you seen this one girl? Blah blah blah. She's got purple hair. Oh, and she has a Z brand on no, her left arm. that's what it is. Those are Zoro's girls. They're all dead. Like, no, no, they're not dead. They're gonna come back in a couple weeks. That's what he starts going after. What do you know? Don't worry, I'm gonna do the right thing. Like, Did you do the right thing, motherfucker? Yeah. I, I gotta get back to my. And then he room. jumps in his car and. All right. We, we gotta get the fuck out of here. We did it. When we get to the conclusion, Zoro has been dragged into the freezer along with all the uh, living hooker parts and the crack. <laughs> Utterly bizarre. And then Jeffrey wakes up. He's wondering what's happening. Earlier, she's talking about, how did you do this? She's like, I've got all my plans written down. He said, I, I wrote all my notes. They're over there in the notebook or whatever. I got it all written down over there. And so she literally just followed his notes and put him back together. But because it was an estrogen-based formula. My blood serum is estrogen-based. She couldn't use a male body to resurrect him. Obviously, since your serum only works on female body parts... I couldn't reuse your old body or even Zorro, so naturally I had to make some changes. Where did that body come from? It's a complete body. Who did she yeah. kill? She lobbed someone's head off, took the fucking purple glue out, <laughs> glued his head on there, fucking electrified him. The scene is just funny because she's literally parroting back what he says to her. All right, maybe I had to do a few unorthodox things, but... Hey, you look great, and you're alive. And I love you, Elizabeth. I love you, Jeffrey. And we're together again, all of us. Together again. All of our pieces are together again. Where's my Johnson? It doesn't matter. We're together again. It's not a happy ending. Well, you know what? Actually, it, it kind of is a happy ending. If you think it is. It. I mean, they, they get to spend some amount of time together. I don't know. It doesn't seem happy to Jeffrey because his head is attached to a woman's body. But I think in time, he'd get used to it. He'll figure it out. If you had like one more scene that showed what was going on six months later, I think they'd be happy. But we didn't get that scene. We ended on him looking right at the camera moaning because, you know, he's got a vagina now. He's it's okay. Dead. He's not dead. And he's back with his girl. The good thing about his body is it's all one piece. He's not a conglomeration. That's Frankenhooker. 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 I guess I always thought for the longest time that Frankenhooker was probably a lot of fun to shoot. Apparently not. Frank Kennenlauter was miserable making this movie. His original director of photography was like flaky as hell. Barely showed up. And so he eventually fired him. Get the fuck out. For two weeks of the, of the film shoot, he was handling the camera himself. But his producer, Jim Glickenhouse insisted they have to have a dp and so they eventually hired another guy named robert baldwin and robert baldwin did not get along with frank they were butting heads constantly all of this conflict was making frank miserable on set the experience in making frankenhooker was miserable for him because of this i say they shot frankenhooker and basket case 2 back to back that's not 100 percent true basket case 2 there was about a two or three week gap between filming during that gap frank henenlotter was able to bury the hatchet at least for the most part with Robert Baldwin so the shoot for Basket Case 2 was a lot smoother looking back he seems okay with the experience because the movie turned out alright as far as he's right. concerned if the movie hadn't turned out the way you wanted then it was like waste of a million dollar <laughs> like the only chance he's ever gonna get to make a million dollar movie Frankenhooker was born from just improv he made it up on the spot at a yeah. pitch meeting this idea about a Frankenstein hooker Frankenstein hooker Frankenhooker it's perfect there is one very interesting it's an anecdote that I think is I think it's very amusing. Frankenhooker was being mixed in the same studio that was doing Quick Change, the film co-directed by Bill Murray. Now, Frankenhooker was being worked on after hours because it was cheaper. Right. Over time, Bill Murray, who was actually sitting in on the mixing sessions for Quick Change, he kept seeing bits and pieces of Frankenhooker out of sequence during <laughs> through, these sessions. Through, through a window or some shit. Eventually, he invited Frank Henenlotter and his crew in, on more than one occasion. At one point, he even requested that they screen the second reel of Frankenhooker for him because that's the only one he hadn't seen. He ended up spending a lot of time over a while with Frank Henenlotter. Bill Murray got to watch Frankenhooker before anyone else did. <laughs> he, he did. At some point, one of the people working at Frank Henenlotter's distributor, SGE, thought it would be a cool idea to get a pull quote from Bill Murray for the movie. Now, Frank Henenlotter thought this was a really bad move but they did it anyway they called his representation mm -hmm. and asked him hey can we get a quote for frankenhooker obviously he never responded by sheer coincidence 
at some point later on down the line, Frank Kennenlauter was on the streets of New York City and spotted Bill Murray. He was so embarrassed to say anything, but Bill Murray recognized him. So Frank Kennenlauter apologized profusely for the distributor's actions and said he had nothing to do with it. Bill Murray was like, you promise? You really had nothing to do with it? He's like, no, I absolutely did. I tried to talk him out of it. So Bill Murray promised to give him a quote. So the next day, a pull quote for Frankenhooker was delivered to Frank Kennenlauter's office. The quote that is on almost every movie poster for this film. If you only see one movie this year, it should be Frankenhooker. A genuine Bill Murray pull quote for Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. Beautiful. Bill, I I was always perplexed because I remember that quote is on the original VHS box that has the little button on it where you push it and it says, Oh, yeah. The Bill Murray quote is on there. I knew who Bill Murray was when I was eight years old. Bill Murray says Frankenhooker is the movie I need to see, Mom. Bill Murray says it. The guy from Meatballs, that's a real quote. And that he liked Frankenhooker. <laughs> yeah. Bill Murray watched Frankenhooker. He liked it. And he gave Frank Henenlotter a fucking pull quote to put on the marketing material for his movie. I love it. Frankenhooker. After Basket Case 2, Frank Henenlotter made Basket Case 3, the end of his trilogy. Frank Henenlotter's next movie was Bad Biology. That was released in 2008. What was he doing? In all that time, Jim Glickenhouse, his producer, died. Basically, he couldn't find anyone else to give him money to make a movie. Yeah, I could understand that. If you don't have the right person to have your back, David Lynch always found a way to do it as goddamn self. Yeah, but he needed somebody to give him money. But but at least a couple of times, someone really had to believe in him to give him some money, knowing that whatever he was going to make wasn't probably what they thought he was going to make. Even Inland Empire was made with somebody else's money. Frank Kennedy needed to find something to do with his time and he ended up teaming up with with mike Vraney, who founded something weird video well actually no there, there was a brief moment when frank henlotter was trying to develop a remake of 13 ghosts this is before dark castle obviously that didn't pan out so in the 1990s he teamed up with something weird video which was founded by uh, mike Vraney. the whole like mission statement of something weird video is to save an archive, bizarre cinema. I, I found a direct quote from Frank Henenlotter that I just love regarding this. Let Scorsese save Elsin, and I'll save the curious Dr. Hump. And so that's what Frank Henenlotter spent most of the 1990s doing, working with something weird video. I hope I'm doing the right thing. But after Bad Biology, Frank ended up focusing more on uh, documentaries. He started with uh, The Godfather of Gore, which is a really, really solid documentary. A profile of Herschel Gordon Lewis. He was one of the first exploitation filmmakers and uh, he made a that's sexploitation which is a documentary all about smut before modern pornography i think the documentary he's made that i really like the most is called boiled angels it's the story of a real character named mike diana he was an underground cartoonist who basically made zines mail-in stuff mm-hmm. but he literally is the only person in the history of the united states to be convicted of artistic obscenity for his comics that's his story i ne- I never heard of this guy before i saw this documentary i couldn't believe it it was real this shit is real but yeah, that was what happened with Frank Kennenlauter in the intervening years. He's kept busy. He's been doing the Lord's work. What you doing? Uh, I'm not sure. But one final story. They submitted Frankenhooker to the MPAA. And the head of the MPAA, a fellow named Richard Hefner, called the distributor after they'd screened the film and told them Frankenhooker would have the rare honor, the privilege of being awarded the S rating. What is the S rating? Well, of course, the S stands for shit. That is what the head of the MPAA apparently told the producers of Frankenhooker. Literally, their film is shit. It will never get an R rating. They appealed the decision, but they're like, no, we're going to give it an X rating. So they decided to go out to go and make it unrated. They'd release it unrated theatrically, but the distributor wanted an R-rated cut for home video. Now, the primary cut of Frankenhooker, even on home video, was unrated. But there is an R-rated version that's out there. And most of the cuts, weirdly enough, have to deal with the scene where Jeffrey is auditioning the hookers. Well, yeah, I guess, and that's probably mostly just because there's titties... Right. Present. Except for maybe a few cuss words. I don't know what's really objectionable enough to right. not put on TV. I, I mean, I understand this is also, you know, 1990 that they're trying to get the shit put on, on TV. So, but also, if there's no blood, it's not gory. Why can't we play this movie the way it is? The most inexplicable cut when the hookers are exploding, seven hookers exploding was too much. <laughs> 
Six hookers exploding is fine. I'm going too far now. I'm nitpicking. I gotta have more wattage, otherwise I'm not gonna be happy. But yeah, the film was released. It was out there. It didn't do great in theaters because it was called Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. It did very well on home video. A lot of that success was due to that gimmick box. You push the button and Frankenhooker says, Want a date? I remember that video at the store in 1991. I pushed that button. She said, Want a I couldn't fucking believe it. I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. Frank and Hooker just talked to me. Bill Murray was, was telling me I needed to see this movie. Bill Murray said it's great. So he said it was great and I should watch it. So I'm going to fucking watch it. I wish that someone had tried to replicate that box art in the modern day. I would I would buy that in a heartbeat. With today's technology, all you need is a watch battery and a thin piece of fucking copper tape. You can make that shit. They did it with the Third Rock from the Sun DVD sets. I bought those. The first three seasons had voice chips in them. So they could do it now and make it even thinner. Why not? I want Frankenhooker to be released on 4K. Why not? <laughs> I want her to fucking talk to me. The sad thing is, it doesn't matter how well-preserved these videotapes are, not a single one of them would work now, even if they'd never yeah, been pressed those, before. Those shitty old batteries were not made to last. Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker. How the fuck did that ever get made, man? It's too beautiful to live, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and that's why I like the, the Shutter comments. Even the shitty comments gave it two out of five and said funny, campy, good time. Not a horror movie, though. E- even the people who didn't like it gave it two out of five. I was like, okay, most movies, there's people saying, if I could give this piece of shit zero, I would. But you have to give it one in order to leave a review. And I scrolled down quite a ways and I didn't see any of those. I was like, okay. Even the people who were not expecting this shit were like, God damn. So that's Frankenhooker. Is it Frank Henenlotter's masterpiece? I don't fucking know. Basket Case 2 and 3 are their own thing. But his original trilogy of movies, Basket Case, Brain Damage, and Frankenhooker, I think Brain Damage might be the better of the three movies. Frankenhooker is the one I can watch the easiest. That's the one I have the easiest time watching. This is a quote I want to leave you with directly from Frank Henenlotter. I'd rather make Frankenhooker than be taken seriously <laughs> yes i wholeheartedly agree with that that's my final word on frankenhooker Franken the film that warped my young mind just by existing on a shelf in a, in, in a video store and that was the one thing that your mother finally said no we ain't getting that put that shit down eventually when frankenhooker was released on dvd i think by unearthed films i finally was able to watch it and not only did it live up to my expectations it kind of surpassed them which yeah. is a lot to say because those are the expectations of an eight-year-old boy who had no idea what the fuck was going on there was a movie called frankenhooker he knew he had to watch it and he knew he couldn't that was it what a thrill kai you know you know how cool it is to actually see something you always wanted to see when you were a kid you actually see it and it doesn't disappoint yeah and it's good anything other than disappointment at that point especially after so many years and it's just this weird iconic thing in your mind i have that with some of the 80s and 90s action movies and that's why i'm like i'm never gonna watch them again because i'll realize what a piece of shit that movie is how fucking stupid it is it will sour those fucking experiences so i'm never gonna watch another fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> movie. Time Cop still holds up. Time Cop is a maybe. You know, Steven Seagal movies. Oh, or God. fucking oh, any God. of those fucking Chuck Norris movies. A lot of those, hey, I remember that. It was good. And then other people are like, no, it's fucking stupid. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I'm not going to check, though. You know the Bronson stuff holds up. Mm-hmm. The lawnmower. Oh, God, what's happened to me? So um, I think I already know your answer, but should we put the movie Frankenhooker in Trapos canon? You mean the, the Trapo Essentials canon? Okay. Yeah. Should we load it up? This is a foregone conclusion for me. Every time I watch Frankenhooker, I have a blast. I never get bored. It's so fucking stupid and fun. Maybe Frank Hennemotter had kind of a miserable experience making the film. You don't see that in the movie itself. Not at all. I love Frankenhooker. It has never disappointed me. I love James Lorenz's performance. His weird mumbly kind of nebbishy performance. He's the main character, but he's also absently acting through half of it. Just walking around mumbling shit about <laughs> Medical school upsets me, mother. Yeah, it cleans the palate now. When he's just apologizing to a room full of <laughs> hooker parts. Yeah, he's great. Patty Mullen is really committed to the role. The movie would not work without her. It wouldn't work. Sure. Everything. All the margins are filled in with dirt and grime and sleaze. And it works brilliantly. Frank Henenlotter knows how to shoot a fucked up movie. Frankenhooker is a fucked up movie. And I love it. 
I would be fucking thrilled to put Frankenhooker in the Trapo Essentials canon. I think it belongs there. I think Frank Henderlotter's entire filmography might belong there. I'm not sure. It might, but Frankenhooker definitely belongs there. I can't believe it even it exists. On this one, I'm definitely going to have to vote a yes for this because uh, it's, it's just a fucking comedy thrill ride. It's hilarious. And it doesn't take itself seriously. The random shit, the fact that there's no blood. And if there was blood, it would be a gory fucking shit fest. But there's no blood. Right. It's, just, it's just plastic body parts exploding across the room. I feel like, oh, sweet mother of pearl. Yeah. Oh, sweet mother of pearl. <laughs> I, like, I can't believe I forgot him. Sweet mother of pearl. That line, the oh, sweet mother of pearl. Oh, sweet mother of pearl. Frank Henelotter says he ran into that guy like on the street coming out of the theater watching Frankenhooker. He's like, oh my God, Frank, this is the third time I've seen it. I can't, I, oh, it's so great. I can't, I can't believe it. You've seen Frankenhooker three times? He's like, no, I just, I wait for my part and then I leave. He'd go to like some shitty theater, go watch Frankenhooker until he says, Oh, sweet mother of God! And walk out. Like, that's all he needed. He did it three times. I don't know. I just think that's very amusing. It's just a bizarre, campy fun. There we go. I can't believe I'm saying <laughs> Frankenhooker, my white whale. Is it the Trapo Essentials canon? I feel like Bill Murray at the end of Scrooge, basically right now <laughs> just happy to be alive yeah I, the miracle i'm waiting for the miracle to happen then it can happen then the miracle can happen to you it's everybody who's gotta have this miracle and it can happen tonight for all of you it can happen every day you've just gotta want that feeling and if you like it and you want it you'll get greedy for it you'll want it every day of your life and it can happen to you i'm i'm covered in bodily fluids it's a good feeling it's it's really better and I felt it a long time. And is in the canon. I can't wait to tell my mother that it's finally got their uh, recognition <laughs> it deserves. Yes. Remember when you wouldn't let me rent this? Mom? Well, guess what? It's in the Trapo canon now, bitch. It's like, well, what's the Trapo canon? Well, it's the show I... Oh, so you put it in your own Hall of Fame. Yes. Whoop-dee-doo. Oh, fuck you, Mom. We're going to wrap this up because we've been talking for way too long. But if you, ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners, would like to join the conversation, tell us how wrong we are for putting Frankenhooker in the Trapo Essentials canon. You can do so. All you have to do, go to the official Trapo blog, which is blowing up with comments. We want you to join the conversation. Go to traposhow.blogspot.com. Find the post of your choosing. Leave a comment. Tell us... Anything you want to tell us, tell us secrets, nuclear secrets, tell us how to summon demons. Yeah, whatever the fuck you got, we will listen because we got nothing but time until the end of time for the quotes of meatloaf tonight. All I got is time until the end of time for crying yeah. out loud. You know I love you, Frankenhooker. And make sure you keep coming back because we put random things up that are not podcast episodes like polls and uh, blog post movie reviews and things like that. So make sure you check out the blog. Also, and I don't know if you guys understand this, but you can send us messages through the interwaves show at gmail.com it's this new thing called email i think the e stands for electronic i thought it stood for like fucking ignore erotic me. ignore trapo <laughs> with an e ignore trapo <laughs> you can like, ignore I'll... trapo by sending us an email at show at gmail.com please tell us we're awesome i guess please. at this point if you if you just send us an email at show yeah. at gmail.com we'll stop we'll end the show i don't care we'll end it can be blank it can be blank I don't care. No subject, no, no body of the message, nothing. No. J- just send we're, us an email. We're, we're not trying to uh, collect your emails for any devious purposes. We literally just want to know that there's other people out in this world. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. We had a good time. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of Trapo, the show that talks about Frankenhooker on purpose. It is in the canon. We can't take it back. You can't take it back. God himself cannot take it back. You can try. It won't work. Oh, he can try. I will stab him in the throat <laughs> with a fucking severed leg. <laughs> with a severed arm still clutching a switchblade. Still clutching a switchblade, yes. If you don't like our decision, well, guess what? You could well, email us and let us know. Email us. Or you can get the fuck off the internet. <laughs> The show that talks about stuff on purpose is a Fenderman Incorporated production. Oh, sweet mother of God! <laughs>